welcome you to River Church in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. We are on fire. We are, we are after the kingdom, and we are hosting a move of God in Tuscaloosa, our city, our county, and in Alabama. Not because it was our idea, but the Lord said that's what he wants, and we're a people that want what he wants for the same reason he wants it. So uh, we're, that's called lordship, and we're going more and more that way. We're making Jesus Lord. So thank you for tuning in. We want to minister tonight in a series that we're already in, but it won't matter. You'll get everything that you need out of it. Uh, the series is called God is Already There. I could hardly, I could hardly speak. They, they, they hollered and clapped and carried on so much. God is already there. Amen. I know you know this. We all know a lot of things about a lot of things that we know. But until you know it and you're knower, until you are able to put it under stress to action, you don't know it. Everybody knows what you do if you can think about it, reason it out, uh, calculate it. But when, when the devil comes or when trouble comes, what you do that in that clutch determines what you really know. Amen? So if you would, turn to... Uh, Deuteronomy chapter 11. Let's go way old. Deuteronomy chapter 11. I want to talk about God is already there. Now, like I said, I know you know that. We all know that. We're schooled in the word. We love the word. But let's, let's reinforce it. Let's, uh, 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 the word says if you'll give, it'll be given to you. And what does it say after that? Good measure. Good measure press. press down. Shaken together and running over. So we have to put the word in that way, not just put it in, say, yeah, I heard the message, but put it in, press down, good measure, shaken together. It says uh, in Deuteronomy chapter 11, verse 11, says, but the land, whether ye go to possess it, is a land of hills and valleys and drinketh water of the rain of heaven. So it's a good land. A land which the Lord thy God careth for. Remember, God is already there. The eyes of the Lord thy God are always upon it. Can you say always? Always. always. God is already there from the beginning of the year even unto the end of the year. So apparently God's not seasonal. Apparently God's not moody. Apparently God doesn't have ups and downs and hormones and junk mess that we all are fighting. Hallelujah. The eyes of the Lord thy God are always upon it from the beginning of the year even to the end. Let me read this to you in Isaiah 46. I'll just read verse 9 and 10. It says, Remember the former things of old, for I am God, and there is none else. I am God, and there is none like me. Now, here's what God says. There's none like me. He said, Declaring the end from the beginning... And from ancient times, the things that are not yet done, saying, my counsel shall stand, and I will do all my pleasure. God said, I'll do all my pleasure. And then he says he loves us with an everlasting love, and that gives him pleasure, and he's going to have his way. God is already there. Let's go to Romans chapter 4. Verse 17. I know you know it, but we're going to turn just because... It imprints us when we read it. It says in verse 17 of chapter 4, Romans, As it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations, Abraham, before him whom he believed, even God. 
Okay, what describe God? Who quickeneth the dead and calleth those things which be not as though they were. God is already there. He calleth things that be not like they be. Oh. And then, uh, so he's acknowledging that the end should be in the present. You have to live as if the future is your now. Well, I'm waiting on God to bless. Well, I'm waiting for the money to come in. I'm waiting for these symptoms to go away. Well, that's not calling things that be not as though they were. That's calling those things that be as if they be. And that's not, that's not mimicking God. That's not imitating him. That's imitating the word. I talked to you Sunday about three things, and I want to I reinforce them tonight, about the blood covenant. Because the covenant is how God does business. And it is why God is already there. Is because of the covenant. So there's three scriptures. I talked to you about uh, salvation, healing, and supply or prosperity. The salvation is in 2 Corinthians 5.21. You're right there. Slip over a couple, three, seven pages. It says in 2 Corinthians 5.21. Oh, my. This is a covenant scripture. This is a landmark scripture. This is a declaration of how the kingdom of God works towards man. And there's nothing like it. If you only could know this scripture, <laughs> you could live long and live far. It says, for, for he hath, he hath already did. He hath made him who, to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. So the covenant's got substitution in it, doesn't it? He made him so that we could be made. Let me read it to you in the Passion Translation. You, you might holler a little bit. I might not get it back. For God made the only one who did not know sin to become sin for us. Why? So that we who did not know righteousness might become the righteousness of God through our union with him. Oh, that's, that's plenty good right there. I might read it again. For God made the only one who did not know sin to become sin for us so that we who did not know righteousness might become the righteousness of God through our union with him. So, covenant. He'll never leave us or forsake us because of this. We're in. We're in. Let's go to the let's go to healing. First uh, Peter two twenty four. We'll see how far we get tonight. We're just preaching the word. We're preaching the truth. We're preaching strength. This will strengthen you. Let me tell you, you don't always feel the strength. Uh, let me let me just let me just go that way a little bit. Going to a church like this and hearing this word, I don't say going to a church like this, but I say hearing this word, what we're talking about tonight, God is already there in the covenant. Heaven help us if we were out there without this word. If you only knew what I knew when I got the Holy Ghost, you were prey on the highway, you were roadkill, you were, it wasn't, nothing good was going to happen, and when it did... You wouldn't give God credit, and if something bad happened, you'd give God all the credit. That's how it was. Yeah. 
but this gospel has changed you so that just to know these things, they may not play out methodically. You may not fit them into a rationale, but they'll just strengthen you inside so that when the crisis come, when the trouble come, or when the choice comes, you'll just say, I'm in. I'm in. And you go, where'd that come from? It comes from putting this word in about who we are, who he is, and who we are in him. So it says in 1 Peter 2.24, who his own self, here's, the, here's our second covenant, uh, covenant scripture, who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, here we are, being dead to sin. Are you dead to sin? Yes. Why are you dead to sin? Because of the new birth. We, the old man was destroyed. That we, being dead to sin, should live under righteousness. Who's righteous? The Lord Jesus. We should live as he lived, by whose stripes ye were healed. Let me read that in the Passion. I kind of got my Passion translation going today. He himself carried our sins in his own body on the cross, so that we would be dead to sin and live for righteousness. Listen, our instant healing flowed from his wounding. I think I'll read that again, as Pastor Moss would say. He himself carried our sins in his body on the cross so that we would be dead to sin and live for righteousness. Our instant healing flowed from his wounding. So here we have that exchange again. He carried our sins in his own body on the cross so that we could be without sin and without sickness. Okay, 2 Corinthians, let's go to... The covenant mandate, the covenant promise, 2 Corinthians 8, of, of supply, of supply. You could say prosperity. Uh, sometimes people get mixed up with that, saying it's, it's opulence or it's uh, stinky riches. You know, that's uh, prosperity that's just over the top. You got six of that and nine of that. But for sure, he's, he's a God of supply. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Look for the substitution, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that ye through his poverty might be rich. Covenant, covenant. Uh, how about the passion? Would you all take a little passion here? For you have experienced the extravagant grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that although he was infinitely rich, he impoverished himself for our sake, so that by his poverty we could become rich beyond measure. Ah, that, that is, that's plenty good. Oh, let's read it again. The, the audience is calling for it. For you have experienced the extravagant grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was infinitely rich, he impoverished himself for our sake, so that by his poverty we could become rich beyond measure. Oh, if that doesn't get you going, your wood's wet. You don't even have any wood. Hallelujah. <laughs> oh, I love the word, don't y'all? So based on that, here's the point. Based on those three scriptures, and the, the God is already there we talked about, why would anybody that's in this move, in this, in this move, not our camp, not our tribe, not our whatever, just the word, read the word, believe the word, do the word. 
Why would anybody wonder, wonder if God was going to show up? Well, they do all the time. Well, we got a bill and it's more than we have, uh, you know, and what are we going to do? Well, that right there tells you we don't think or we don't know God's going to show up. We got the bill we're under. Oh, I got a, I got a boo-boo on my arm and that's what Aunt Nelda died of. It turned out and moved all over and took her... What are we going to do? Well, you don't have those thoughts if God is already there. So it's a confidence. You, you can't articulate confidence. You just talk about the word that gives us strength, and we become confident. We become strong inside. Jesus strong. And that's what we must be. But I'll tell you, why would anybody wait for him to show up? He's already there waiting He's already there waiting on me to show up. All I got to do is show up. Show up in prayer. Just show up saying, God, I believe your word. I, you'll, you'll never leave me or forsake me. You became poor. You bore my sickness. You became who I was, a sinner, so that I could become you. God's just waiting on me to show up. He's not weak. He's not impotent. He's not slacking his promises. He's already there. He's already there, already solved the problem, the situation, actually did it on the cross, actually looked ahead 2,000 years and said, I got that, took care of it at the cross, and now here we are. He's already there. Oh, he's better than anybody knows. 2 Peter 1.4, you're almost there. 2 Peter 1.4, we read this last time, which was the, the 9th of October. We've gone for a couple of Wednesdays, so here we go again. Second Peter 1.4 says, uh, Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these exceeding great and precious promises ye might be partakers of the divine nature. What makes us partakers? <laughs> it's the promises. So we've got to put them in. Having escaped the corruption or destruction that's in the world through lust, through lust, well, that was verse 4. Let me read the Passion, because the Passion says God is already there. It says, we are reborn. Oh, listen to this. We are reborn into a perfect inheritance that can never perish. Let me read that again. We are reborn into a perfect inheritance that can never perish, never be defiled, and never diminish. It is promised and preserved forever in the heavenly realm for you. Ah, that's pretty exciting, y'all. I mean, it's like, well, I don't know. You know, people all say, time will say, well, that was, that good thing happened to you. Oh, yeah, it was more than I deserve. Well, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I do deserve it. Well, I, you know, the sinner man, the old man. Well, that's not who I am anymore. That's who I was, but I, whole thing's passed away. I deserve breaks, favor, first of the line. I, I, it's, it's who we are. It's what we do. It's what we have. And there's just no doubt about it. So get that stuff about grace off your lips that says, well, you know, God's good. He gives us more than we deserve. No, we get what we deserve because of Jesus. I mean, this is, a, this is a small point, but take it. No more of that poor mouth and saying, well, he, he went over the top for me. I didn't deserve it. Sure he did. The blood of Jesus purchased it. So we do deserve it. 
Praise God. So the promises are the fu- is the future looking back to your present. It's the promises of the someday of what should happen, what God paid to happen, Jesus bore first to happen, brought into our now. Everybody knows that in the world you can walk things out and eventually get some relief or better. Trouble cannot last forever. All trouble is an event. It passes through, but then it passes on. It's like a cold front or a, a hurricane or a tornado. It, it, it's there, but it passes through. Amen. Did I go off? No, not yet. Praise God. So uh, we talked about three weeks ago that the perspective on faith is always time. If we didn't have time, we would just accept that it's done. Like your house is paid over, uh, paid off. You just say no more payments. It's done. Well, what about next month? It's done. The future has come to the present and well, what about the month after that? Well, how, how are you going to pay that payment? It's done. You go, well, that's crazy talk. Well, there, it is when we don't assess supply and healing and favor and all the good things of God. We, it's like it's done. So the present is replaced by the future. Faith is replacing the present with the future, making the future the present. By his stripes ye were healed. Oh, well, I'm living in the future. But now it's the present. Oh, yay, yay. Well, let's talk about God is already there. And how is he already there? We, we worked on that a couple weeks ago, that, that it's not God walking, it's not Jesus walking from, through the door and saying, I have come to deliver you from your trouble I have a word for you, and this is thus and so, and that is thus and that. Well, that would be marvelous, but if we had to wait on that, historically, we'd be all in a mess. Am I right? It, that's not even a high thing. I put down that angels equal God is already there. Well, I want God to show up. Well, how about some angels? Well, that's not God. Sure it is. Sure it is. You can't tell the difference. If he sent them and they're empowered, it's all right. Hebrews 1.14, you're right there. When I say that, that means your Bible's open. <laughs> Hebrews chapter 1. Angels is, are, God is already there. It says in Hebrews 1.14, uh, well, we could look in 13. To which of the angels said he at any time, sit at my right hand till I make thine enemies thy footstool? How many angels did he tell that to? Zero. Who did he tell that to? The Lord Jesus. But then he goes on and he says, but so they're not that, but what are they? Verse 14, are they not all ministering spirits? Look, look, sent forth to minister for them who shall be heirs of salvation. Wow. I looked in the bottom of uh, the Passion Translation. I didn't, I'm not quoting that verse, but it had the author of the Passion sometimes puts the Aramaic, what it is in the Aramaic. And here's what the Aramaic says. The angels are spirit winds of ministry sent to those destined to receive salvation. 
And the author went on to say, this is not me, it's not the Bible. He said, the angels are glad to minister for us, for they see us in Christ. The angels are glad, glad to minister for us, not like, ah, this one's really keeping me busy. Whew, I got a call, I'm going out, because they see us in Christ, in the Lord Jesus. So what they would do is minister to the Lord. Matter of fact, turn, uh, let me just tell you about in Matthew chapter 4, you know, Jesus has gone through the temptation. The devil came to him three times, and it says after he left, verse 11 says, then the devil departed from him, look, look, and behold, angels came and ministered to him. Y'all remember that? Angels came. Well, if they'd come for him, they'll come for you. They'll come for me. In uh, uh, Hebrews 13, 2, we won't look there. It says, be, be not forgetful to entertain strangers. Y'all like this verse? For thereby some have entertained angels unawares. Well, yay. So that pesky door-to-door salesman may have been an angel. Probably not. <laughs> but sometimes you just have a witness that who... I don't minister to these people that are at the intersection that say, you know, anything will help and I'm homeless and whatever. We've seen stuff on TV that makes that suspect. But every once in a while you get an unction in you, it's like, yes. yes. So you just, you just pull out something and you give it to them and you go, well, what have they wasted it? Ah, I want to give to the poor. And uh, anyway, now the new living in that Matthew 4 says they took care of him. Angels came and took care of him. The TEV says they uh, oh, took care of him. Oh, I misquoted that somehow. But anyway, the angels take care of us. God is always there. If he doesn't show up bodily, which not likely, he may send an angel, and the angels can take care of us. They took care of the Lord Jesus. They can sure take care of us. Amen. So let's, that's, that's a known. Y'all know that. We could go through all the scriptures, but y'all are convinced. <laughs> so let's talk about that concerning God is already there. Let's talk about people. And we are so flawed in our natural, in our physical, and so, uh, so unspiritual in the raw part of us. But yet, sometimes, often, maybe quite a bit, God sends people, and he considers or counts it as, I was already there. I'm reminded about how the Lord showed me one time about people in my life. Because I get pretty, like everybody, I get pretty uh, introspective about people, kinds of people, and particular people, especially if you're pastoring and you have a lot of people that just love you, Pastor. You're the best. I never heard something. John Osteen needed to go to school with you. I've heard all of this mess. It, there's an axiom in the church among us pastors that if they come the first time and they just slobber on you and just say, you are, you are better than that, you go, notice them because you won't ever see them again. And it's, it's never failed us. Hallelujah. But people are amazing. And sometimes people, you'll know this is true, sometimes people just come to our life and they drop off something that we need, a word or a finance or a, uh, lots of people come through the church at, during certain seasons of time and they are a stream 
And you go, wow, that's good giving. That's good giving. Yeah, we, oh, let's pet them a little bit, like James 5 says. Let's pet them a little bit and see if they won't, you know. But they're just in there. They're, they're, they're coming in. They intersect. They drop off. And then they're gone. Well, as pastors, we badmouth them. I'm talking about we could badmouth them and say, well, they, they weren't teachable anyway, or they had a bad attitude, and she had her, her lipstick, you know, she couldn't put it on, it went up to her ear, and all sorts of stuff that we say, ah, good riddance. But actually, people drop off things that we need. And sometimes, listen, I've certainly been there, I know you have, we run into people's lives and they drop off stuff to us. And you go, well, I'm so grateful for that. I love them. They helped me so much. But they gone. They gone. You go, what's that all about? God dropped off something. God was already there. And you needed it, but you wanted to say, you help me, please. Come more, more. No, that'll be another stream. That'll be another avenue. That'll be a different people. So in, uh, turn with me to Ecclesiastes. We got just a few minutes here. You know what that means. <laughs> it, may, it means nothing. <laughs> Don't you love it when waitresses come, you've just ordered, and, and they come by in five minutes and say, your food should be out pretty soon. Now, that's the most worthless information that's ever been given to anybody. I, I look at them and like, what is that? Hallelujah. Ecclesiastes, that's right after, isn't that after Proverbs? It's kind of a, the pages are a little stiff in there sometimes. Ecclesiastes chapter 4, look in verse 9. I know this is a short scripture. Why do we have to turn for this? But it says, two are better than one. Let's quote the Bible right here together. Two are better than one. Now, that's the Bible. That's the truth. That's the word of God. That's how he wants it. You may not like people. Shame on you. They may not like you. Shame on them. But two are better than one, and you'll never do better alone. Except, well, there's some things you'll do better alone, but uh, we need people. It says uh, two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, the one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him that is alone when he falleth, for he hath not another to help him up. Again, if two lie together, then they have heat. But how can one be warm alone? And if one prevails against him, two shall withstand him. And a threefold cord is not quickly broken. We need, we need folks. Church, I, you need each other. It's, we're not just sitting in a, a assigned seating uh, on, in church and saying, you know, this is where I sit and I get my stuff and then I leave. We're made to mix and mingle and, and, uh, and help one another and... and uh, and receive, just to listen to somebody. Sometimes you just got to listen to somebody tell your troubles. And then at the very end of that, you can say, God's already there. Amen. So uh, two are better than one. Uh, don't go there, but in 2 Kings chapter 2, verse 9, uh, the story is Elijah and Elisha. And... Uh, Elisha is waiting on and following after Elijah. He's helping him. He's been a good help to him. He's, uh, he's been a good help to him. And at the end of it, verse 9, Elijah said unto Elisha, Ask what I shall do for thee before I be taken away from thee. 
And Elisha said, I pray thee, what did he say? Let a door, double portion, portion of your spirit fall upon me, uh, be upon me. Two is better than one. They, uh, there wasn't any impartation when you're out there by yourself. In other words, it was a body. It was a person that imparted something from God. It was a spiritual impartation, but it came through somebody. Oh, Lord, just come and just touch me here all by myself. Well, he'll do it. But sometimes we can't receive it because we don't know really how that worked. But if someone says, thus saith the Lord, be blessed, we'll go, you know, I, I got some of God. God was already there. But it was a person that God used in that. Amen? Uh, I, I like this story. Don't have time for it, but we'll try it anyway. It was uh, Elijah was by the brook. And he had prophesied that the land would dry up, it wouldn't rain, and sure enough, the brook that he prophesied about dried up, and he, he was needing some, some water and some groceries. And so the Lord said, go down to Zarephath, I've got a widow there for you. Well, he shows up at the widow, and she's like, he says, hey, darling, how about waiting on this customer here, bring me some bread and stuff. She said, we got one little portion, and me and the boy are going in the house, we're going to eat it, and we're going to die. So he didn't send her to a faith woman. And you don't always have a faith person coming into your life to bring you what you need. God is already there, but he's beyond who he sends into your life. All they have to do is have one attribute. They don't have to be complete and whole in every way and say, you know, uh, enough to say, well, they're not perfect. I don't know if that's God. God's perfect, but people are not. And he sends us one to another. And so the story goes on there. It says, uh, Elijah said to her, fear not, go and do as thou hast said, but make me therefore a little cake first and bring it unto me and after, and after make for thee and thy son. And she went and did according to the saying of Elijah. And she and he and her house did eat many days. Wow. Two is better than one. And the barrel of meal wasted not. Neither did the cruise of oil fail, according to the word of the Lord, which he spake by Elijah. Elijah was the lips, he was the tongue, he was the mouth, but it was the word of the Lord that caused a supply. So we need to let angels entertain angels. We may entertain angels unaware. Might be in people. We need people. I've been in some perilous situations. They were perilous at the time. I don't say looking back they were all that mean because I've been through some real perilous times since then. But at the time, I thought I was, I was done. And God just sent some people. They, one time they filled up. My, we didn't have any groceries in the cupboard. I can't hardly tell you how that happened. But we didn't. We were and went out to our car. We traded off our nice, beautiful much lusted after Suburban. I love that car. I love my 1980 Chevrolet Suburban. And the Lord said, take it to Lubbock and sell it. And so we did and came back and put the money in the church and then made payments on a little Cavalier that had been wrecked and repainted. So there we were, you know, things were tough. Things were, we weren't beaten by rods and we weren't stoned and we weren't, but we felt like it. Y'all ever felt like it kind of blow up your situation? And so I went out to the car and it was full of groceries. We don't, we never did find out who did it, but it was full of groceries. Just sack after sack after sack. The, the boys had to put him on their lap to get in the car. I'm telling you, people. 
there, we always joke in the ministry that uh, per, church would be perfect if it wasn't for people. <laughs> we could get rid of all the people. And this is facetious. I'm not saying this, but I, the joke is we could get rid of people. We'd have a great church. I mean, it's crazy talk, and, and people do it in every uh, realm of life. Uh, listen to this in Philippians 2, verse 19 in the Amplified. Just listen, because God is already there. But I hope and trust in the Lord Jesus soon to send Timothy to you, so that I may, so I may also be encouraged and cheered by learning news of you. For I have no one like him, no one of so kindred a spirit, who will be so genuinely interested in your welfare and devoted to your interests. For the others all seek to advance their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ, the Messiah. We're special because we want to advance the kingdom. So the Lord could look down he, at any time, here anyway, and I hope out there, and say, I've got an assignment for you today. I want you to load up. I want you to take this much money or this kind of groceries or, I, I'm, or I, I'm going to give you a word and I want you to deliver this word to somebody and it'll come by people. But I'll tell you, God's already there. When you get there, God got there. With the word of the Lord, with groceries, with uh, whatever. I love it. And so Paul said, Timothy's my man. I can't go, but he will be just as good as if I went and God will already be there. Hallelujah. And the last one that I have, there's a gazillion of these, but this one was about the story in Exodus when the Bible says that Moses is judging the people. They got problems, you know, my, my neighbor threw his beer can over the fence and I don't like it. All these things. And Moses, there's lo the Bible says a long line of people got. And, and uh, his father-in-law, Jethro, said, what is this? He, the people are lined up from early to late, and they're just wore out. And you're wore out. And I like this scripture. It says, uh, And Moses' father-in-law said unto him, The thing, parentheses, the good thing that thou doest is not good. And, you know, he told him, Get you some counselors. Get you some elders and make a lot of lines and, and uh, go to supper. Be, be done. So we need people. And people is God is already there. Sometimes we look at the people and say, you're a people, you're a person, you're a, you're a man, you're a woman, and I don't think I can receive from you, or if you give me something that I need, I don't know if that's from God. And maybe sometimes it isn't. People get a little excited about being used. But I have found that even people that, when they gave me a prophetic word, and you go, ah, that doesn't really fit. That's, I don't, and this person's a little flaky maybe. I just decide to receive it anyway. I do. I just like, I write it down like it was, like it was a voice. And you know, I have found God brings those words to pass. It's up to me, not up, so we need people. Just prophesy into my life. Give me a word. Come, come go to lunch with me. Um, let, let's go to the movie together. Let, maybe that's not good, but, but uh, let's pray together. That's what we'll say. Let's pray together. God uses people. We need people in our life. 
Now, who are you going to get? Well, let's get the church. I know this is the most scattered church. We're, from, we're all over the world. We're, all, we're over here. We're over there. We're just like, how do we come together? Why do we come together? Well, it's God is already there. Somehow he put it in our heart, and we're, we're kindred and all that. Um, but I have found that people, are, they can be of no help at all to you, or they can be lifesavers to you. But you often don't know when you first start out. Uh, I found that uh, there's people that are immeasurable help, and there's other people that need immeasurable help. And you go, well, I, I need help, and here you are, completely needy and destitute. Um, but I want to tell you all about an investment for people, and then we'll quit. People are an investment. you got to invest in them. Well, I don't have time to invest. Well, you'd invest in the Lord Jesus. He even said in one place, if you give, give a cup of cold water or you feed the babies or whatever, you've done it unto me. And we're not talking about everybody. The Holy Spirit will lead you. But uh, a big investment in people will always pay big. We all have stories, war stories, of someone that was a dear friend, and you gave all, shared all, did all, and then they just flew the coop. They ran off with, a, with, a, uh, with somebody, and they, you never heard of them again. Yeah, we've all got that. That's why it's called an investment. It's because you don't always get everything back in one place. But I, I'm going to tell you, uh, it could even be a stranger that we invest in. Uh, I have a friend, Pastor Eric West. We have the same birthday, nine years apart. But it's supernatural what God has done between us. We, we, we got introduced in, a, in Birmingham casually, and we just decided, I don't know what he did, but we just decided to invest in one another. And pastors are kind of lonely sometimes. They, they want somebody to cry, about, cry to about all the mean people and about the no money and about... <laughs> Y'all are supposed to be smiling. I'm, this, is, this is a joke. I'm, I'm being facetious, but it's also true, too. So, uh, but, but him and I have given each other a lot of comfort. And I'm just telling you about me. This is an example. He's, he's my best friend outside of blood family and, uh, of course, my marriage. But he's been a great help to me. He just listens to me, and then sometimes he'll... I'll listen to him. And it just, when you talk about something, sometimes you go, well, why don't you talk to your wife? I talk to her a lot about a lot of things. It's, but sometimes, uh, you know, you need somebody else just to, for some things. Uh, he's such a blessing. Now, he's one of those people that when you intersect, I didn't finish that. Sometimes you intersect, drop something off or pick something up. And sometimes you come together and you run for a while. Y'all ever had anybody that you ran for a year or two or three, and then they got transferred, and you go, oh, I love you. We'll come see you every, every day. I'll write. I'll call. I, we will never part. And two years later, you know, they've moved, and you don't even know it. There's those. And then there's those that sometimes come together, and they are rare. They say, secularly, that to have one lifetime friend is the average or better than the average. Not everybody ever has a lifetime friend, and rarely. I know you go to Facebook and you got a thousand friends. We're not talking about those people. 
Y'all say amen, so I'll know I, can, I know what Facebook is. I do, sort of. And so this man is, uh, is in my life as just one people. And I've had lots of people come into my life pastorally and ministry. And we intersected and just dropped off. Sometimes we ran a while, and then we, it just didn't. We got what we needed from one another. Sometimes I've been, you know, everybody's been abused. You had a bad one where they took advantage of you. And uh, if it's in the ministry, if it's a pastor, an elder, or a deacon, or just a Christian, you're mad at God over it. They're very powerful, these friends and relationships. But I want to I tell Pastor West, because I think he'll watch this, that God told me this evening after we hung up that he's going to see you through. Not just see you through, he's going to promote you through and exalt you through it. And it's going to be better than you even thought. And he's bringing the future into your present. And, uh, and I, you hate to say shortly because the Lord Jesus said, Behold, I come shortly, and it's been 2,000 years. So I, don't, I hate to use that word, but it won't be long before you'll see great turnaround. A new stream and streams are going to come into your life. And these days are over because you had a good attitude and you fought the good fight. Amen. So, God's always already there, no matter what you face. Now, I will, I will say this, and then I really will quit. Sometimes we don't like him, we don't want him to be already there because it was our fault. We blew up our own marriage or our finances or our situation or, or said something naughty to somebody. We, we were colorful and and offended people, and we go, well, God can't fix this. God, God has run away from this. But I'm telling you, he's already there no matter what we do. We just take 1 John 1, 9 and say, God, I'm sorry for that. He says, for what? We're good. We're good. Let's crank up the band and play another song. Amen. So thank you for tuning in this evening. River Church in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. Hosting a move of God. God bless you.